Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Thank you so much. You guys are so kind. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. Come on. Can we give God a good hand clap real quick, though? Is that all right? Come on. Give God a shout of praise. Thank you so much. What an honor to be back in the great state of Idaho. Who loves the great state of Idaho? The gem state. What a privilege to be back. Thank you, Pastor Ken. Who loves Pastor Ken Wilds? The best of the best. So honored to marry into an amazing family. It's always good when you love your in-laws. Can I get a witness? And I married way out of my league when I married their daughter. And I realized if I became the youth pastor here and married their daughter, I would never get fired. And uh, look what the Lord has done. Amen. But what an honor to be back in Idaho. I'm always so honored to be back amongst all my friends and family. I have more family actually that lives in Idaho, even though I'm from California, like the rest of this room. Um, I, uh, I have more family in Idaho now than I do in California. And uh, my brother lives here, my parents live here, my grandparents did live here, and uh, all of my in-laws are here. Some of my best friends, Shane Grove, Kirsten Grove, some of my favorite people in the whole world, the Rooks. Who loves the Rooks? Anybody love the Rooks family? The best of the best. I just look around, just memories all over. I was a janitor here for five years, was a youth pastor here for about 15 years, and uh, spent almost 18 years of my life in this church. Uh, my claim to fame is that Ocean's Church is only the second church I've ever been a part of. That uh, I spent my whole, my whole uh, I don't know, upbringing in this church. And I love this place with a deep love if you talk bad about capital, it's like talking bad about my wife. Can I get an amen? I'll come after you. I'll cut you with something. Can I get a witness? But uh, I love this place. I'm so honored to be the son-in-law of Pastor Ken and Connie Wilde, some of the greatest leaders in America. Can I get a good amen on that? <laughs> honored to be discipled by Chris and Kelly Wilde. Who loves Pastor Chris Wilde? One of the greatest thinkers. Kelly, one of the great preachers. And just honored, man, to be a part of this, this room. I, my, I know that it's going to be a good day because even if I bomb my mom and my stepdad's here today, thanks for coming, mom. She has my back. Um, so if you hear one person clapping today, it's my mom. But uh, I'm excited to be with you today. I do have a word for you, but I just wanted to celebrate. This was really special. I think I was here, uh, I, know I was here for the 40-year anniversary. Might have mentioned it then, but... If you weren't there, uh, January this year when I spoke, I think it was the first Sunday of January, I told you that we were going to do an event called Baptize SoCal. And uh, our goal was to do the largest, thank you, Mom, um, was to do the largest water baptism in American history. And wouldn't you know it, May 28th, we baptized over 4,200 people. To God, get all the glory. So special. You know, it's really cool, even yesterday, uh, it was yesterday, Greg Laurie did a baptism there with another 4,000 people. So literally, California's had over 8,000 people baptized at the same beach that it happened 50 years ago at. So I do believe that God's reviving California. Can I get a good amen? God can do it. I actually believe that revival is gonna, it's gonna start in California. It says that he's coming back for a church without spot, without wrinkle. If there's no wrinkles, there's Botox. Can I get a witness? It's got to be California. And so uh, it's a California joke, but we'll keep going. I'm glad you're here this morning. If I've never met you, my name's Mark, and I'm so glad you're here today. I know there's people in the room that normally never go to church. I'm glad you're here. I know there's people here today that don't believe in Jesus Christ. I'm glad you're here. I know there's people here that don't believe there's anything special that's going to happen the next hour and 15 minutes. I'm glad you're here. But I'd like to announce to you that God is gonna to move today. That our God is a God that speaks. There's 4,000 world religions, but there's only one empty grave. And I believe that God is a speaking God. 
We serve the only divine deity in the world that claims to live inside of those that believe in him. We are homes. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm just telling you right now, you might have been in church. I was thinking even about 1 Kings 18 when Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal. And I was thinking about how both altars looked the same. They both sounded the same. They both smelled the same. But what happened, the only difference between the altars of Baal and the altars of Elijah was one had fire. And I want to encourage you to don't go to a church that looks like a church. Go to the church that has fire. I've been in buildings that look like church buildings. I've been in temples, in mosques, in, in, in uh, cathedrals that are beautiful on the outside, but no fire on the inside. I would encourage you, don't go to the church closest to your house. Go to the church that's closest to the book of Acts. Go to a church that has this fire. Can I get an amen? And if you're in this church, you're in the right place. There's some fire here today, amen? If you don't catch any fire, that's your, that's your problem, not my problem, amen? I'm gonna preach my guts out today, is that all right? But I wanna encourage you today, I am limited. I want you, I'm a man like you, and I am limited by your faith. I actually believe that great things happen in church, not because of great preachers, but because of the hunger of great crowds. If the crowd determined what Jesus could do, how much more does the crowd determine what we can do today? I'm gonna preach a message I I preached in Palo Alto two weeks ago. I've tailored it to this church, this time, this season. But I want you to know that in Palo Alto there was miracles that broke out. There was signs and wonders. There was 11 people that made first time decisions for Jesus. About 55 others that gave their lives to God. I know that God can do something special today if we lean in. But if you sit there like the cover girl for the book of Lamentations, expecting me to entertain you, I'm not here to entertain you, I'm here to feed you today. I believe that shepherds feed, communicators entertain. And I'm not a communicator, I'm a shepherd. Can I get a good amen? The problem with America today is we have too many communicators and not enough shepherds. Jesus said, my sheep know my, says the hired hand doesn't fight for the sheep, but the shepherd does. And I'm in California fighting for our sheep, fighting for our city, fighting for our state. And I believe that you're in a church that has some great shepherds as well. Come on, can I get an amen? Amen. And so today, I want you to lean in. I'm going to read Luke chapter 11, or Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read 11 verses in Luke chapter 5. And after I do that, we're going to pray. And then my my, my favorite friend, piano player, is going to be able to stop playing for me. I'll start prophesying if he keeps going. Uh, But just stay with me until I finish reading this passage. Luke chapter 5, you there? No? Luke chapter 5, try it out. You can turn there in your Bibles. If your Bible charges, close in the dark. If your Bible doubles as a phone, just go ahead and click on Luke chapter 5, 11 verses. I'd like to warn even right now, if you're here today for the wrong reasons, I'm just commanding in Jesus Christ's name that God's going to soften your heart or you're going to get up and leave right now. There's no spirit welcome here except the Holy Spirit. God's going to do something supernatural in this service. There's someone here that you've been struggling with methamphetamine for seven or eight years. God's going to liberate you today. There's someone here, you have a problem, you have one leg is shorter than your other leg. And I'm telling you that God can grow legs out today. I'm telling you that if you have blind eyes can open up in the house of God. Deaf ears can open up in the house of God. Terminal illness can be healed today. According to what? Our faith. Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith? I want us to be a believing church today. You guys want to believe for something great today? Is that all right? I really love our church. I don't like being away from it. And quite frankly, I I love Ocean's Church so much. It's my favorite place to be on a Sunday. I rarely miss Sundays. So as far as I'm concerned, if I'm going to be in Idaho today, we're going to see what God does at Ocean's Church in Capital Church. Is that all right? So can you guys pretend you're at Ocean's Church and say amen? Amen. I have a loud church. Come on, we preach back to the preacher in California. Teachers tell it, preachers yell it. Come on, say amen. Amen. So I want to just encourage you to lean in today. God's going to speak. God's going to move. God's going to heal. Do you feel something stirring in this atmosphere? Come on, give me a hand clap. You believe God's going to do something great. Come on, give me a hand clap. Stir up your faith. Come on, stir up your faith. Stir up your faith. In Jesus' name. Luke 5 says, so it came to pass that the multitudes pressed about Jesus to hear the words of God. He stood by the lake of Gennesaret, saw two boats standing by the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them, for they were washing their nets. What were they doing? They were washing what? 
They're washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon. He asked Simon to put out a little bit from the land. He sat down and taught the multitude from the boat. And, it's, and when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets. What did Jesus say? Let down your what? Let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Lord, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Say it with me, nothing. There is nothing worse than fishing and catching nothing. Nothing. You can hear the defeat in his voice, nothing. Pastor in a church since 2018, went through COVID, nothing. Tough times, difficult times, empty nets, nothing. And he says, nevertheless, though, at your word, at your word, at your what? I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. Their net was breaking. What was breaking? Their net. So they signaled to their partners and the other boat to come and help them. And they came up and they filled both boats so full they began to sink. When Simon Peter, when Simon Peter saw that, he fell to his knees at Jesus' feet. And he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and everybody that was with him, these professional fishermen, were astonished at the catch of fish. Maybe the greatest day of fishing in the history of their lives, which they had taken in. And also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee. They were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. You're going to catch people from here out. Verse 11, very, very significant verse. Imagine having a winning lottery ticket. Imagine having thousands of dollars of fish in your nets. And it says this, that they brought their boats to the land. doesn't say they cashed in the fish in the market. It says they got to the land they forsook all and they followed Jesus. They chose Jesus at the top. I have a word for someone today. Some of you think God is only worthy to be trusted in, believed in when your life stinks. I'm telling you, he's worthy to be worshiped at the top. You got a full bank account, choose him at the top. You live in your dream house, choose him at the top. Married a bottle, choose him at the top. You got beautiful kids, choose him at the top. You can get everything in your life and still be empty on the inside until you learn how to choose them at the top. I have friends that chose them at the bottom, but I believe there is a special reward to those of us that choose them when our nets are full. I feel God summonsing someone today. So you got everything that money can give you. You got everything that you set out to achieve when you were young. The only thing you lack is giving your heart fully to Jesus. Choose him at the top. You guys ready to go today? It's not my notes, but I feel something in this. I feel some hunger in Idaho today. Anybody hungry for God? Three people. My mom's here. Come on, who's hungry for God? Come on, give him a good hand clap. You're going to clap. Give him a good hand clap today. Come on, give him a shout of praise. We honor you in Jesus' name. We honor you in Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you that your Holy Spirit is here. We thank you that you've been saving people in this room for over 25 years. We think this is a holy place, holy ground. We make up our minds today to choose between two opinions. If the bells of America are God, serve them. But if Yahweh, if Jesus Christ, if he is Lord, then we're going to serve him. I pray today that we make up our minds to build an altar. We make up our minds to hear your word. And we make up our minds today that whatever you say to us, we're going to do it. I pray you would revive this valley. I pray you would revive Boise State. I pray revival in the football team. I pray revival in young adults. And I pray that, God, you would do something in our day that we would not believe, even if it were told to us. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard the wonderful things God has in store for his people in Boise, Idaho. Father, revive our land. Make America again one nation that's under God, indivisible, with liberty and with justice for all. In Jesus Christ's name we ask and we pray, and someone shouted a good. I feel like preaching today. Come on, say amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. 
I, uh, I'm honored to be here today. I'm sorry, my wife says I get intense when the anointing comes on me. I apologize. She's not here today to say calm down, so I'm going to go hard. <laughs> Ironically, uh, out of the whole family, just me, Kelly, and Pastor Ken today. Uh, so you know who the spiritual people are <laughs> in this family. So uh, the real Christians are here today. Um, I'm just kidding. But it's an honor to be here. I, uh, I, I've been married to Rochelle now. We've been married for uh, almost 18 years. Praise God. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thanks, Mom. Mom, I have my back. Uh, I was thinking about, man, 18 years. Uh, we've had a lot of great memories together, a lot of experiences. I've actually never been, to be honest, a great, I, I like snowboarding, but I'm not a, a big outdoors person. Uh, a lot of hunters, uh, a lot of outdoorsmen in Idaho. Now, compared to Chris Wilde, I'm Bear Grylls. Um, but I'm not a particular outdoorsman. And so I have some fishermen in my church that talk me in every year to going on a deep sea fishing trip. Uh, the last couple years, they've talked me into going on these tuna fishing trips, which we drive down. Usually, I'm not into it because usually at the wake up of the time I go to sleep. And um, it's dark outside. It's like three o'clock in the morning. We drive to San Diego. You get in this little boat and you get beat up by the ocean for two hours. And uh, you get out there, and they say the rougher the sea, the more fish you're going to catch. So you can imagine how fun that is. <laughs> and uh, they, it's amazing. It's pretty interesting how they catch these fish, but they, they, they actually get with these tunas, these large tunas. They're so smart that if you just throw a line in the water, they won't, they won't bite it. So what they do, some genius discovered that if you fly a kite with a helium balloon behind the ship, tie a line to the kite that goes down to the water that actually keeps this little bait fish going through the water like it's swimming, that the tuna will catch, they'll, they'll bite that. And so uh, I hooked into like 180 pound tuna, felt like I was boxing Mike Tyson, <laughs> had, no had, had no idea how difficult catching a tuna would be. I, I actually lost the first one of the day. I got reprimanded by this non-Christian captain. He's like, this ain't your grandpa's trout pond. I was like, bro, I wasn't always a Christian. I'll throw you off this boat. Don't let the pastor fool you. I'm not that saved. I haven't been dishonored like that since the dentist office, you know? Like, this is uncalled for. When was the last time you flossed? Don't worry about it, okay? Um, but I was thinking about, you know, I, I caught this tuna, and it was honestly the, it was the fight of my life. I was exhausted. I was, like, tired for, like, three weeks. I caught this fish. They're like, they're biting. All these guys are so excited. They're like, the, I reeled it in. It took me 45 minutes to reel in my, or this, this tuna fish. And I got the fish in the boat. I'm like, I needed to take a nap. I needed like a Scooby snack. Come on. It was like, it was exhausting. And so I got the fish in the boat. And I'm thinking to myself, the only thing that would be worse than today, experiencing this exhaustion, the seasickness, two hours of driving this boat in 40-foot waves, the only thing worse than this experience would be to do all of this and not catch anything. Like, I caught a fish, and I didn't want to do it again for like two years. And I did what we set out to achieve. And I was thinking, man, the only thing worse than fishing is not catching fish. Now, I don't want to offend any fishermen here today, because there's some serious fishermen in the room. But if you're watching fishing on television, you got some time on your hands. Okay. <laughs> But I, uh, I, I went fishing, and I was thinking about how defeating it is not to catch anything. God began to speak to me even about the state, being a pastor in America, especially in California, from COVID. I mean, like, literally, you want to know what it's like to not make a lot of friends. Be a pastor during COVID. You're too liberal for some people, too conservative for other people. People are upset at everything you do. You need more masks, no mask. You need to do this, don't do that. Sanitize, no sanitizer. We gotta get uh, herd immunity. We, we, no, 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 we, have, we need to get 16 boosters and 14 vaccines and we gotta turn into robots. Come on, somebody. Offending everybody already, is that great? It's crazy. You wanna make people mad? Just talk about what's going on in the world. We are in a spiritual famine right now. I believe it's much like the days of Elijah when you have two opinions. We've been in a three-year drought, and they're saying, look, we're going to end this drought by building altars. And they say, you call on your God, I'll call on my God, and the God that answers with fire. That's the Lord. And I was thinking about we are in a fire right now. We have two opinions going on right now. There's multiple opinions. There's like, no, the government will fix our problems. The, 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 this will fix our problem. Money will fix our problems. A strong economy will fix our problems. And I realize that God is the one that fixes our problems. 
Can I get a good amen? Living in a wild window of history right now. We're in a spiritual famine right now. I don't have ever seen such a drought in all of my life, but I think it is prophetic the fact that God would give, even this last year in Idaho, particularly in California, one of the wettest years in history. And I love it because all the experts were saying, um, California won't get out of drought. It'll take 20 or 30 years. And God's like, really? <laughs> he, he turned Southern California into Seattle. It rained three times, once for three months, once for four months, and once for two months. Do you know that Mammoth Mountain got more snow than it's ever gotten in history? Over 700 inches of rain, snow. That's, that's more, more than rain, come on. <laughs> the, the, all the experts were shocked. They didn't know that the drought could end so quickly. It caused a super bloom in our state. Dormant seeds below the surface of our land begin to blossom. They say that there's seeds there that have never blossomed because the rain hasn't gone deep enough to cause the seeds to blossom. God began to speak to me. He said, Mark, America's in drought, but I can end droughts quickly. I can end droughts quickly. My word can end a drought. I believe it is God's word that ends the droughts of our life. God will end a drought in your family. God will end a drought in your business. God will end a drought with one of your kids running from God. We serve a God that ends droughts. Did you know that? I heard the meteorologist say, you know, the truth is in California that we get enough rain almost every year to get us out of drought. This is what he said. He said, the problem is we can't capture the rain that's falling fast enough because we don't have enough reservoirs to capture the water. So he says, most of the rain falls, but it just goes right back into the ocean. I started studying it out. We haven't, bought, we haven't built a new, uh, we haven't built a new reservoir in California since 1980. Talk about poor infrastructure. 43 years, millions of people have moved in, and we haven't built a new reservoir. We've been in drought every single year. And I, the Lord began to speak to me about that if there was more churches with more of my people that could capture my rain, I could end the drought in any state. Can I get a witness up in Idaho today? I can end the drought in any state. The question is, is the rain not falling? The question is, can we capture it? Can we believe God at his word? Can we believe that God can change things suddenly? I want you to know that this is a discouraging day because if you fish with all your might, all your expertise, all of your intellect and catch nothing, it's a, it's a defeating feeling. They had empty nets, empty nets, empty nets all night long. Come on, staying up all night, like losing a night's sleep and zero money. Some of you are in sales jobs. You know the frustration of working a 10 or 12 hour shift on the car lot and not selling one vehicle and knowing I spent this whole day with nothing to show for it. Empty, are you hearing me today? Nets. You have empty nets, that's a dis discouraging, it's a frustrating, it's an irritating feeling. And I was thinking about, man, this is, a, this is a, a really irritating place to be in. Empty nets. A lot of problems in our nation right now. I actually wish sometimes that Adam and Eve were Cajun, because they just would have ate the snake. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Solved a lot of the problems going on in the world. We know that we're in this moral revolution right now going on in America, it's a drought. We know the signs of moral revolution is basically when what is universally condemned is now celebrated. What's universally celebrated is now condemned. And those who refuse to celebrate are condemned with it. We're in a drought. We're in a spiritual drought in America. We're calling good things bad and bad things good. We're now preaching no longer the gospel of Jesus Christ, but the gospel of tolerance. The gospel of tolerance is when intelligent people act like morons to not offend people that really are crazy. We are living in a wild window of history. I'm telling you that the only sexual knowledge that a third grader needs to know is that girls have cooties. Can I get a witness? We're living in a spiritual drought. In the 1940s, the great men of America, the greatest generation, they lied about their age to go to war to save our nation. They lied about their age to go to war. In the 20s, in 2020s, men lie about their gender to compete against women. 
We are living in a spiritual drought. I want to tell you this, and it's going to get uncomfortable in here, because worldliness is whatever makes sin look normal and righteousness look strange. That's what's happening right now. Hence the 25% hand clap. We're scared to stand for what's right. We're nervous to stand for God's truth. I'm telling you that we live in a day and age that is confused. It's a confusing age when we're mourning for miscarriages but celebrating abortions. We're living in a crazy day that the, the headlines of Babylon should be the prayer request of the church. God can change things quickly. But we have to believe that there is a way if we respond to his word. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Psalms 107 verse 20, it says that God sends his word and he heals us and he delivers us. That's why I love the story of this, this crazy fishing excursion about these guys that have the greatest day of fishing in history. But what mesmerizes me about the story is they didn't choose the fish, they chose the man. They left the most lucrative day of their life, abandoned their business at the top to follow a Jewish rabbi that was basically, in modern context, starting a cult, what seemed like. You're starting a new sector of Judaism. You're telling us you're going to destroy the temple in three days, you're going to raise it up. You're telling us that your words have power. You're saying to eat our flesh, drink your blood. This is crazy. This is wild stuff. But he comes on the scene, I love it, because he comes to them, and the first thing we know about Jesus, and this is what I want to tell you about a church on fire. A church on fire, according to Luke chapter 5, are people that in the church, starting with Simon, they are people that are willing to clean their nets. I want you to write that down. I got five C words for you today, maybe six. Six C words for today. Who does God raise up? to change the famine of a nation, to change the famine of a state? Where are the churches that actually set the temperature spiritually to the region that they're in? I'll tell you what it is. It's the men and women that say, God, you want my boat? I have nets that are ready to go. I have nets that are ready to go. I think some of you have some great careers, some great boats, but God isn't using you because you have dirty nets. God doesn't use men and women with dirty nets. I'll wait for you to talk to me a little bit today. What are you saying? I know this. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands, pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol. Psalms 51, created me what? A clean heart. I'm telling you that God is looking for men and women that look, I'm, salvation is free. But if you want to be used by God to change your vocation, to change your block, to change your neighborhood, to be the salt and light that Meridian Arcuna deserves. You gotta be willing to say, Lord, my nets are clean. How does one clean their nets? Well, we clean our nets by confessing our sins to God and confessing our faults to human beings. Confessing to God brings forgiveness. Confessing to people brings healing. James chapter five. Some of you, like Simon, you had dirty nets. Notice that they were cleaning their nets, but Simon said they didn't catch anything. Why would you clean your nets if uh, you didn't catch anything? Here's the, here's the revelation, is they caught something. Because I'm telling you, whether you're fishing for the right things or not, your mind is catching stuff. And here's the auto default of our minds, is we'll catch the stuff we don't want to catch. You might be trying to catch miracle signs and wonders. If you don't read this book, you're gonna catch anger and unforgiveness and bitterness. Are you hearing me today? There was trash in those nets. There wasn't fish. They caught what they weren't trying to catch. Because we are, listen to me, we are not good people that occasionally do bad. We are born under a bad nature. Contrary to all the new age jargon that's being disputed. We are born under the Adamic nature, which means that Adam's sin, and because of one man's disobedience, all of us in humanity were born with a sin nature. That's why we don't teach our kids to be selfish. You've never had to teach your kids how to say mine. They figure that word out by themselves. What do you have to teach your kids to do? To be good. Problem is, is we catch stuff automatically but everything that you catch by yourself without God is stuff that you need to, him, you need to allow him to clean out. 
You'll catch dysfunction. You'll catch alcoholism. You'll catch uh, a pathological lying, cheating, stealing, sleeping around. All the stuff that your flesh craves, you will catch without any effort. And that's why any sexuality that says indulge in whatever appetite you feel like indulging in will lead you into death row. I sat with my friend that was struggling with homosexuality. And he's like, look, I think I was born like this. I'm like, well, good news. You can be born again. Yeah. Yeah. We said, well, it's not, no, well, it's not fair. It's not fair. I feel tempted when I see guys. I'm like, well, I feel tempted if I see naked girls. I'm married. If I walk by a nude, a nude beach, I want you to know I'm a human being. And I would have to discipline so whether it's heterosexual discipline or you're struggling with homosexual temptation, the truth is any theology that welcomes you to give in to your lower nature is not a disciple mentality. Because to be a disciple of Jesus means I will crucify my flesh. Whatever your flesh looks like, here's the level playing field at the foot of the cross. We disciple our flesh, we crucify our flesh, and we evict our demons. Notice this, Jack Hayford says, you can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple demons. What's that mean? It means that some of us, we, we acquire demons by opening up ourselves, sleeping around, negative crazy stuff, seances, witchcraft, the occult, new age stuff, all the stuff that's out there. You will attract darkness in you. Some of your demons right now want you to get up and leave because they can feel liberty coming. I'm telling you right now, what made Jesus Christ special is he healed people that were never healed before and no one had authority over demons until Jesus came. Buddha never evicted a demon. Muhammad never evicted a demon. Jesus Christ alone had power to say, get out, Legion. And the crazy kid, right? The thriller video. Back in his right mind. You with me today? God is looking for people to say, God, I know I've caught garbage from where I came from. I was raised in a bad neighborhood, had some nasty perversion, had some crazy bad habits, wasn't raised in a godly family, acquired some negative customs. But Jesus Christ, I don't just give you my life, I ask you to clean out my nets. Simon was selected, maybe, because he was the only ship on the boat, on the land, that had clean nets. He saw the nets were clean. He said, can I get into your boat? Yeah. And here's where it gets interesting. If you let God clean your nets, you'll be a prime candidate to bring change, salt, and light to your city. And if you'll actually let him clean your nets, the second thing he wants you to do is he wants, to, he wants you to give him permission to come into your career. Yeah. It gets quiet in church because we compartmentalize our life. It's like, this is my business life. This is my church life. It's business and then my ethics. No, no, it's just ethics. If you have to steal for a living, get out of your vocation. So what good is a big house to end up in hell? Is it okay to tell people the truth? Is that all right? This guy's kind of offensive. I hope I'm offensive. I'd rather offend you with truth. Like to remind you that people that offend you with truth don't hate you. It's people that comfort you with lies. They hate you. And if you would rather be comforted with lies than be offended with truth, you hate yourself. Amen. Good preaching, preacher. This guy needs some socks on. He's getting too hot. Listen to me. My eyes are up here today. Come on, stay with me. I believe the Holy Spirit says you want to catch fire. You want to, you want to bring change to a drought, to a dry atmosphere, a dry spiritual state. Here's what we do. We say, Lord, give us clean nets. Clean out my nets. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the metanoia, the, by the renewing of your mind. So you, uh, you allow him to renew your mind and he cleans your nets. And then you say, God, I give you permission to board. Turn my career into a floating pulpit. Simon introduces this idea that Jesus wants to not just get into your sacred space, but he actually wants to get into your secular space. One of the biggest mistakes maybe the church has made in the last 30, 40 years is to think that we're only spiritual and we're singing songs in church. 
Pastor Ken was one of the great leaders of this idea that, that look, God doesn't just want the sacred, he wants our secular. I remember him doing a series years ago talking about the movie uh, Chariots of Fire. And he always say that phrase from the movie, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. Some of you, your worship is your ability to make money. Some of you are gifted. You are anointed to educate kindergartners. God bless you. The only difference between a kindergartner and a, and a, and a terrorist is you can negotiate with a terrorist. It's crazy. Some of you have grace. God, listen, he wants you to actually invite him into your boat and say, God, whether I'm a football player, use my career to be a floating pulpit. Whether I'm a mechanic that changes the oil at Jiffy Lube, use my career to be salt and light as a floating pulpit. God, whether I'm a trash man, I'm a dog catcher, I'm a mailman, I'm a lawyer, weaponize my career. Here's the word, here's the word, here's the word. I give you permission to declare your word from my boat. Where are the people? Well, I don't like everybody to know that I'm, I'm publicly a Christian. Then you're probably not. None of my friends know I'm a believer. Then you're probably not. Because contrary to what society says, keep your faith to yourself. Do your little church thing in your building on Sundays. Yeah, that's why we're in the mess that we're in right now. We are salt and we're light. What did Jesus say? We don't put the light under a... You don't do that. I'm gonna let it shine. I got a good voice, right? No. I was thinking about this. Is there's this idea that he says, hey, can I, can I use your boat? Yeah. He comes aboard his career, his calling. The keys can come back up. I'm almost finished. And they, uh, he gets on the boat. He declares the word. The crowd responds. And after he's done using his career for the day, after, listen, this is crazy. After he gave God, Peter, Simon gave God his career to preach the word, then he's invited into a miracle situation. Yeah. Notice that the net breaking, boat sinking catch didn't happen until Simon was willing to give Jesus his career. But after he gave him his career, come aboard, preach your word, declare your word from my boat. Then he goes, all right, Simon, I got good news. I'm done preaching from your boat. Now I want you to launch out into the deep. I want you to let down your nets. Say it with me, nets. I'm not an English major, but that's plural. Last time I checked, there's an S there. And notice what happened. Simon goes, uh, Master, we toiled all night. We didn't catch anything. Andrew caught a cold. That's it. We haven't caught anything. We caught some seaweed, some Kirkland water bottles. We, 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 we caught anything. But nevertheless, at your word. At your We will let down the It wasn't nets. He partially obeyed. He grabbed one net. It says, read it. It says he, he let down the net. And the next verse is verse seven or eight. It says that when he let down the net, just one, that the net began to break because God gave him a miracle that required nets. But he only partially obeyed God. I'm grateful that God can use people that partially obey sometimes. Because sometimes I'm not the smartest knife. Come on, smartest, yeah, knife. <laughs> Prove your point right there, preacher. Good, good analogy. This guy's really being honest today. I was thinking about, he, uh, he let down the net. And uh, when he let the net down, it began to break. I love this. I believe the control key, write this down, control key to God's miracles is instantaneous. I believe it was uh, Tozer that called it spontaneous obedience. Spontaneous obedience. He goes, all right, I'll do it. So he, his control key is, I'm gonna obey immediately. As soon as God told me to do it. He's like, master, look, I know I'm a, I'm a pro fisherman. You're a pro rabbi. You live in a van down by the river. I'm on a fishing boat every day. I know how to fish with nets. And in those day and age, it would have been very common knowledge that you don't fish with nets during the daytime 
only at night. Hence, they fished all, didn't catch anything. Why do you fish with nets at night? Because at night, the water is warmest on the, on the surface, and the fish come to the surface because it's too cold, and they come to the surface to get a little warmer. But in the daytime, it gets too hot, so they go back down to the water where it's colder. So you don't catch nets at the surface when the water's too hot in the daytime. So he's like, Master, we toil, but nevertheless, we'll do it, partially. And they went, and they obeyed immediately, even though they didn't fully obey. And here's the cool part about the story, is their nets begin to break. And I was thinking about this would have happened in some churches in America. You know what we would have done? We'd be like, let's just build another building. Let's just, let's not tell anybody or invite anybody else to see it or be a part of it. Let's keep it to ourselves. Let's go to shore, cash in our fish. Let's come back out to the same fishing spot. Let's geotag this location. (laughs) If only. We'll throw our nets down again. We'll go get both nets this time. We'll keep it to ourselves. But I believe that God isn't looking for selfish Christians. Insecure Christians, narcissistic believers, that your name has to be on every event that you host. Has to be, are you hearing me today? I actually believe that revival will have a nameless leadership generation. It's not gonna be led by just one general or one king or one queen. The revival that will sweep the earth will be a nameless generation. It'll be men and women that say, I don't care who gets, I don't care who gets the credit as long as Jesus gets the glory. That's what God's returning for. And I'm telling you today, that leads me to this next point, that God's looking for kingdom partnerships. I know it's not spelt that way, but I wanted all my letters to start with a C. God is looking for kingdom partnerships. What are you saying? They said, hey, our net is breaking. Notice this, their net was breaking, but the boats didn't begin to sink until the partner showed up. Here's a revelation. I think they could have just filled their net up. It might have have messed their net up, but it wouldn't have sank their ship. God didn't open up the windows of heaven until they were willing to share. God didn't sink the boats until they're willing to share. Some of you have experienced full nets, but you've never been sunk by the goodness of God because you've never been willing to share. Proverbs 11.24 says, "The, the world of the generous gets bigger and bigger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. In the New King James Version, it says there's one that withholds more than what is good and comes to nothing, and there's another one that scatters seed generously and comes to great riches. I'm telling you right now that in the kingdom of God, we don't have eight pieces of pie, and when God gives you a piece and you a piece and you a piece, there's three less slices. When God gives, he can create more. The problem with some is you get jealous when God gives your neighbor something good. Must be nice, preacher. You were in McCall this week? Must be nice. Some cynical Christians in the church. I can tell you were in McCall. You're sunburnt. Must be nice. Some angry Christians. Look like they just crawled out of a bag of Cheetos. Must be nice. We got cynical people. Here's what I think. I think if God's blessing someone you know, one of your neighbors, you should get excited because he's in your neighborhood. If God's in your neighborhood, maybe you have a good attitude. Maybe God will fill your nets up too. Maybe part of the reason why God's blessing them and not you is because they're living generous. But I love the idea that they called them. They were called at the top. I think the reason why God's favorite disciples were these fishermen is because maybe Matthew didn't have the greatest day at the tax office when he left. Maybe he was having a terrible day. Follow me. He's like, please, change the scenery, yes. But we know that the fishermen, we know these guys, they chose Jesus at the very top. Here's what I want to tell you today. God will call you at either location. The truth is, Job was called in two locations. He was called in the beginning when he was in a good position, and then he was called again when he's on the inside of a well. We choose where we respond. Yeah. Far as I'm concerned, I'd rather avoid the well. Can I get an amen? John was the original chicken of the sea. I know the story sounds fishy. I go all day, folks. But listen to me. God wants you to choose him where you are. 
Well, I'm in a good place right now. Then choose them there. I'm in a bad place today. Then choose them there. I'm an addict today. I'm too messed up. No, choose them there. No, I'm a multimillionaire. I've achieved my dreams. Choose him there. Because I'm telling you today, you can't out-success God, and you can't out-fail God. You don't put, don't give yourself so much confidence that you can screw your life up better than God can fix it. God's better at saving than you are at destroying. Here's the last thing I want to tell you is God will call you, but he's a gentleman and he'll let you choose who your master is. Choose this day who you will serve. Look, if mammon's God, then choose money. If fame is God, then choose fame. If, if, if sexual promiscuity is God, then choose that. Elijah had enough confidence to say, look, if the greatest thing that earth offers can bring fire on this altar, then worship it. The last time I checked, there's nothing on this earth that brings fire except the God that made it. And I want you to know today, some of you have dry altars. Some of you have dry lives. Some of you have been cutting yourself like the prophets of Baal. Some of you have been calling out chanting, doing seances, engaged in new age garbage, witchcraft and Satanism and the occult, whatever other garbage you're into. I'm agnostic, I'm an atheist. Some of you criticize Christians. I don't wanna think Christians, Christians are just scared of the dark. No, you're scared of the light. And I'm telling you today, it takes more faith to not believe than it does to believe. Because if I'm wrong, I miss out on nothing. If you're wrong, you miss out on eternity. You got more faith than me, friends. As far as, I'm sorry, I'm intense. That's all right today? I'm telling you that you choose your master. You're born looking like your parents, but you die looking like what you worshiped. All he talks about is sports. It's what he worships. All he talks about is stuff. It's what he worships. All he talks about is his family. It's what he worships. You can turn good things like your kids into idols. Anything that you put first in your life is your God. And here, do yourself a favor. Don't let the blessing of God bless you out of church. Don't let success bless you out of church. Don't let fame or fortune bless you out of church. There's too many Christians that start with Jesus and end up with Judas. You can see the miracles and still deny him. You can walk with him in three years and still deny him. Do you know what the difference between Moses and Aaron was? Is Aaron built a gold calf and was quick to forget about Jesus? He loved God. How did he turn so fast? He never had a burning bush moment. You need your own burning bush. You need your own fire. Well, I never had that moment. They get hungry for it. I'm here to entice you that God doesn't have favorites. He just shows up to those that hunger and thirst. Some you never tasted because you've never hungered and you never thirst. I never heard God speak to me. You never hungered and thirst. What should the absence of the presence of God do in your life? It should make you hungry. Well, God's not real. I've never felt it before. Are you ever hunger for it? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Some of you are a fool because you think your lack of experience is evidence of God's non-existence. Nah, it's your lack of hunger. I dare you to pray a bold prayer. God, if you're real, show me. Here's the truth about some of you. If God did, you still wouldn't believe him because you're angry at God. Most atheists I meet don't arrive there at a scientific conclusion. They arrive at not believing God because they experienced something so bad in life that they made God the source of their problems. And it's actually a reaction to pain than an intellectual decision. How could you look amongst creation and say, this is all accidental? We evolved from apes. Really? If I parked my, my, my Jeep into the, into the Amazon jungle and let it sit there for four billion years, it's not going to get better. <laughs> and that's the rationale of some people. We're, just, we're getting better as time goes. No, we're not. We're created. Well, if you're created, then why is there bad in the world? Because God gave us free will. Why did he do that? Because he wants romance, not robots. You can't have romance with God if you're a robot. He won't force you to love him, but he'll invite you to. Well, there is no God. Then why does 
All of human history record that integrity and bravery and honor is good and murder and hurting little babies is bad. If there was no programmer, why do we all have the same program? Why do we see stars and galaxies? Why are we the proper distance from the sun? Any further, we'd freeze. Any closer, we'd burn up. You ever thought about this? I'm summoning you today. If Jesus Christ is Lord, would you believe in him? And if the answer is no, then you have a hard heart and God needs to soften it today. Why in the world would you hold on to a hard heart all the way to hell? Don't do that. I told my parents, or my, I told my in-laws this uh, story this week. My grandpa had, he got Alzheimer's at the end of his life. He got a car accident. And it actually, it, it expedited the, the disease. He knew he was going to lose his mind. My grandma told me the story. She said that after my grandpa knew that he was going to lose his mind, he started going into his study. He wasn't preaching anymore. He was a retired pastor. But he went into his study and he began to read every day hours and memorize hours and write down scriptures hours every single day. And my grandma came to him and she said, Jack, why are you spending so much time studying? What are you doing? Why are you memorizing all these verses? Why are you writing down all these scriptures? And my grandpa said, I'm studying for my final exam. Some of you live like eternity's not coming. It is. Why would you gamble on eternity? Here's the miracle power today. Will you obey him at his word? If God spoke today, would you listen? And I want you to write these three responses down. You pray, you obey, and you act. And by the way, if the preaching you hear doesn't respond, it doesn't merit a response, you're probably not hearing the gospel. Because you read the New Testament, every time they heard the preaching of the gospel, they said, what must we do? What must we do? What must we do? If the gospel you're hearing just empowers you to live your lower nature, you're not hearing the gospel. The gospel makes you want to get more holy. It doesn't empower you to live lawless. Sorry, I'm fired up today. But as far as I can tell, we're in a spiritual drought. And the solution to the drought is the word of God. It's the fire of God. Do you know why Elijah... He called down fire, killed the bells of, of his day, 450. He saw rain before it showed up. He outran a chariot. But then he got so fatigued, he got scared of a woman after he killed 450 men. And Jezebel, that spirit, always overplays her hand. Notice that Jezebel really wasn't going to kill him. If Jezebel wanted to kill Elijah, she would have sent an executioner, not a messenger. Her goal was to intimidate the man of God. And when you're fatigued and tired and you're not spending time with God, you'll run from things that you have authority over. And he hid in a cave. And he was in a cave, and not every cave is made out of stone. Some of you are in caves of entertainment. Some of you are Netflixing yourself to death. Some of you are dreaming about the lottery at night, and you're not dreaming with God. You get old when you're more excited about your memories than you are your dreams. God wants to give you a new dream, a new vision. And Elijah locked himself in a cave. God had to say, what are you doing here, Elijah? Get out of this cave. And when he got out of the, quake, the cave, there was, a, there was an earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. There was a wind, but God wasn't in the wind. There was a fire, but God wasn't even in the fire. And after all of it, you know what happened? The depressed man of God. Believed a lie. There's no prophets. I'm the last one. Woe is me. The whole world's against me in America. There's no one that's standing for truth. God comes to him with a still, small voice. I got this revelation recently that the reason why God had to come with a still, small voice is because the wind, earthquake, and the fire couldn't change the way he thought. It took a new voice to replace the old voice. It took God's voice to replace the voice of the lies. He sends his word, and he heals me. We told all night, but nevertheless, at your word, there is something about responding to the word of God that will rewrite your future. Amen? I want to pray for you today. Just stand up. I feel something in here. God is evicting, I believe, a demonic stronghold in your family. 
There's someone in here that God is saying today, it ran in your family until it ran into Christ in you. It ran in your family until it ran into Christ in you. You're a curse breaker in your family. You're the Joseph of your household. You're God's David. God brought you here when your siblings weren't, your parents weren't. No one else in your family had the opportunity to know God the way that you're coming to know him. God brought you here to do something new in you that no one's ever done before in your family. And I believe you'll respond to God today. Choose this day who your master will be. I promise you, if money, sex, power, if accolades would make men satisfied, there would be no suicide in Hollywood. There'd be no suicide in Orange County. But the truth is, people still kill themselves after they achieve their dreams. Because what good is it to gain the world if you don't know the, ma the maker of your soul? God is here to save. He's here to heal. He's here to end the drought. The drought. Elijah prayed for the rain. And he saw a little cloud the size of a man's hand. And he said, the rain is coming. And I prophesy to Idaho today, the Treasure Valley today, that God's coming to collect his treasure. God's coming to bring the rain to water the, dread, the dead places, the dry places. I pray today over this church that God, the famine would be ended. I pray the drought would be over. I pray for sons and daughters that have been on the run from God that today you would chase them down. We prophesy a summer of miracles. Can I get some agreement today? A summer of miracles. We declare God's word to heal, to save, to deliver. We call out, Lord God, those that are living in darkness. We call in our sons and daughters that are trapped in, in dark lifestyles, homosexual bondages, transgender lies. We call them in from the north, the south, the east, the west. We declare this is the day of salvation. We say that we are fearfully and we are wonderfully made. We declare that if God be for us, who could be against us? We declare that you're working all things together for good. I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't agree with lies. I pray even if the truth offends us, let it offend us before it heals us. Today we lift our hands to you and we say, Lord, water our family. We say, fill our nets. We say, sink our boats with your blessing. Fill our nets. Sink our boats. Fill our nets. Sink our boats. Come on. Fill our nets. Make it your prayer. Fill my nets. Declare it over your family. Fill my nets. I dare you to close your eyes. You're not a human having a spiritual experience. You are a spirit having a human experience. Some of your spirit man is so weak, you can't tell when God's presence shows up. That electricity in your body, that's the spirit of God. Why are you crying? That's the spirit of God. Why do you feel like something's going to break loose in your heart? That's the spirit of God. And I dare you to put your guard down. I dare you to quit making excuses. Time to make changes, not excuses. Holy Spirit, clean my nets. If that's you today, say no more. Clean my nets. Lift your hands. I wish there's some honest people in Idaho today that say, God, I want you to use my boat. I want you to use my career. I want you to make my life count for eternity. I want to live a life that's worthy of Jesus dying. Clean my nets. Lift your hands right now. I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, I pray all over this room you would sanctify us. I think the Word of God wasn't just written to, to satisfy our academic questions. It was written to make us like Jesus. So I pray today, how can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. Today I pray for a new appetite to read your word. I pray that we turn the radio off and turn the audio Bible on. I pray that, God, your word would wash your people. I pray that, Lord, we'd have an appetite to read. We'd have an appetite to study. Some of you that are older would start studying for your final exam. Holy Spirit, wash us. Pray this prayer. Lord, wash me. Clean my nets. In Jesus' name. How many would invite Jesus into your career? Lift your hands. Lord, come to work with me. Come to the practice field with me. Come to the weight room with me. Come into my bedroom. Come into my neighborhood. Come into my house. Come on, lift your hands and say, Lord. Try not to say, Lord. Come upon my boat. You're welcome 
in my ship. Preach from it. Declare your word from my life, from my gifts, from my talents, from my career. Declare the word from my life in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. How many feel like there's some partnerships? There's some kingdom partner. I feel something breaking today. Kingdom partnerships. I break the spirit of competitive, that competitive uh, insecurity. We are a team. We're not against each other. We're for each other. How many feel like God's, he's challenging you to start partnering with people? Come on, lift your hands. You feel like there's some partnerships forming. Some of you, there's some business partnerships. Some of you, there's some small group partnerships. There's some spiritual partnerships. I pray today for kingdom partnerships. I pray that we wouldn't just want to fill up our nets. I pray it would be the prayer of your people to fill up the nets of our partners. Let us not celebrate when we get a house. Let's celebrate when our neighbor gets a house too. Let's celebrate with those that celebrate. Let's mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep. I pray we be kingdom partner people. And I ask today in Jesus' name, every hand down just for a minute, choose this day. Choose this day. Don't wait to the end to choose something you can, you can decide today. Why wait to your deathbed to make an eternal decision? If you're here today and you say, Mark, if Jesus Christ is who you says he is, who, who you say he is, if he will live in me, if he will wash me, if he will lead me, guide me, speak to me, I want to invite that God into my life right here, right now. If you've never believed, or you did at one point, you walked away from God, and today you say, I'm not leaving this room until I get right with Jesus. I'm not leaving this room until I get right with Jesus. I'm inviting him back onto my boat. Whether it's a first-time decision or a rededication, I want you to lift your hands all over the room, all over the room, eyes closed, heads bowed, hands going up. I'll give you three seconds. One, all over the room, all over the room. Holy Spirit, speak. Two, your heart's beating out of your chest. Do not miss. Keep your hand up. Do not miss this moment. Do not miss this moment. Three, real high, real high. I'm going to count. Real high. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 23, 23. Anybody else? 24. At least 24. Now look at me. There's three things we do when we pray this prayer. We say, God, I want you to be with me and speak to me from this day forward. So I'm going to pray three things. I'm going to pray that God will give you an appetite for his word. Because if your prayer life sucks, so does your Bible reading life. They're connected. You don't read the Bible, you're not going to pray. But if you read God's word, you'll have an appetite to pray. So I'm going to pray that God will give you an appetite for the Bible. Second thing I'm going to pray is that God will give you a local church to call home. You're not called to visit churches, you're called to plant in the local church. Last thing I'm going to pray for you is that God will give you friends that know Jesus better than you do. Because you're not going to become like Jesus. You don't get better at snowboarding unless you ride with better snowboarders. Are you hearing me today? Same thing's true in any industry. You want to get close to God? Let people that have been walking with him longer shape you. Get involved in a small group. So those, how many was there, 26? 24? 24 people pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say the whole room, say it. Say, Lord Jesus. Today, publicly, I declare you are invited, welcomed, and honored to be the God Savior and CEO of my life. Forgive me for all of my sins, all of my mistakes. Clean my nets. Wash my mind. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me power to become like you. I ask you for a church that has your fire. I ask you for friends that know you better than I do. And I ask you for an appetite for your word and to pray like I've never had before. Send your word, fill my nets, sink my life with your blessing in Jesus' name. That's kind of, I know I'm over time, but this is my father-in-law's church, so I'm not going to get fired. 
brother-in-law's church. If you're here today and need a miracle, I want you to lift your hands right now. I know when God's speaking to me. There's someone barren in here, and you're going to have a child that you're going to dedicate on this stage. It's going to be almost exactly a year from today. God will open up the barren womb. God will open up the blind eye. I don't care what time it is. I'd go an extra three minutes if it was someone's miracle in your family. I pray anyone that needs a miracle, just lift your hands right now. We do this every week at Ocean's Church. And part of the reason we've had almost 8,000 get saved in 253 weeks, Sundays alone, is because every time I preach the gospel or someone does, signs and wonders follow. And this is what we do. If your hand's up, if someone next to you, if their hand's up, just put your hand on their shoulder. Just put your hand on their shoulder. Why? Well, there's a biblical precedence. Jesus said to the disciples, you will lay hands on the sick. You'll lay hands on those in need. James 5 says, if you pray the prayer of faith, you'll save the sick. So right now, whether it's a mental infirmity, it's a a drug issue, it's a, a bondage that needs to be broken, or a physical need, ACL, meniscus tear, blind eye, arthritis, terminal illness, cancer, tumors, God is no respecter. God will actually do anything with anyone that believes. With your hands on someone's shoulder, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, we don't beg, we believe. Someone say, I believe that you're going to heal, you send your word, we declare life, healing, freedom in Jesus Christ's name. Top of their head, soles of their feet. We declare by this time, next week, documented, medically verified, physically known miracles, breakthroughs in Jesus Christ's name. Gift of healings, working of miracles in Jesus Christ's name. And if you love them, come on, give them five second hand clap. Let's sing this song. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.